What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Inside View Real Estate Podcast. And we are going to be talking about what it's like to buy a home in 2021. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, I'm Josh Azuniga, co-founder of the Inside View Real Estate Podcast, where we give you bite-sized pieces of information and give you an inside look on all the major topics, whether you're investor, buyer, seller, or flipper. Stay tuned. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Inside View Real Estate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Josh Azuniga, my sexy, sexy man over here with the ties. Mm, trying to, you know, Jason Statham, that shit. I actually do. Absolutely, man. You're looking fabulous today. Thank you. How's your day been so far? Amazing. Yeah? Trying to make some money. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And But outside of making money, let's, let's, let's really give it down to a real, real aspect of what it's like to buy a house here within 2021. There's plenty of buyers that are, you know, probably listening to this either from millennials, you know, all the way up into maybe even retirement age. And they want to know exactly what it's like to buy a house here within Phoenix. And let's even probably nationally, because nationally, everything's going crazy. Everything's going really, really wild. Yeah, so let's touch base on that. Tell me, tell me what you think. Do you like money? Yes. Okay. I think everybody, it's think a necessity. the audience likes money? It's a necessity, people. Let me break this down for you, because I really think about this, and this is one of my big go-tos. If you're out there and you're making $50,000 a year, $60,000 a year, and you're like, that ain't enough. I can't retire on that. After your expenses, you got car payments, you got credit card bills, you got fucking student loans, you got groceries, you got kids to take care of, you got health. my fucking health insurance is $600 a month. Oh my God. Right? Yeah. So when you break it down, you say, wait a minute, I'm making 60K a year. Sounds like a lot of money. It's not a lot of money. How are you going to get to the next level working a job? You don't have money for savings. You don't have money for investment. How are you going to make money? You can buy real estate, right? Side hustle. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking about OnlyFans yeah. here, yeah, Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, guys, Jeez. make sure you follow me. Just watch, kidding. Watch my mouth. Yeah. Um, no, so seriously, like, investing in real estate is the gateway to generational wealth, right? If you're smart mm-hmm. and you invest into real estate, and don't try to time the fucking market. We talked about this, I think, in the last episode. Is like, you know, you can't really time the market. It's, you know, buy real estate and just wait. Just, just wait. It doesn't matter what the market's going to do. If you're going to live in the house for the next 15 or 20 years, you're going to see two cycles in there anyway. It doesn't fucking matter, yeah. right? So everybody's like trying to worry, and, and well, what if the housing you know, prices go down 10% next year? It doesn't fucking matter. In eight years, it'll correct itself. It'll figure itself out, right? But in that eight years, instead of blowing money on rent and spending a shitload of money on taxes, you know, invest that money into a house that you're going to live in that you're actually using every single day, right? You're building equity in it. You're paying down that mortgage balance. People think about it like, well, if I buy it for $300,000, it's worth $300,000 in five years, I didn't make any net gain. That's not correct because you're paying down the mortgage balance, right? In five years, you're going to pay down $30,000, right? Makes sense. There's a number. There's a 30000 That's a 50% of your yearly salary in a savings account. It's locked up in your house in terms of equity. Yes. But what about the taxes that you saved? If you're a W-2 you know, employee... You gotta pay a shitload of taxes. What's a great way to offset there? Well, the interest expense on the mortgage, right? That's still allowed right now. Now that may change. And they've been talking about changing that for 10 years now. I don't think it'll change in the near future. But you can write off that. And you can write off the property taxes, right? It makes sense to invest in real estate. And a lot of you are like, hey, look, you know, I wanna upgrade the house. Fantastic. Think about hanging on to your existing home, building a portfolio, because you guys are only thinking in terms of one house at a time. Stop buying one house at a time. Buy a starter home, take that starter home, turn it into a rental, cash full of shit out of it. If you need to pull a little bit of equity out, we can do that. 
right? If you're like, I need money for a down payment on the new one, but it's locked up in equity, let's get you a cash out refi. Mm -hmm. Take that cash, put the cash down on the new house. It's allowed, right? Now, you can take that other house that you used to own, or the, the starter house, turn it into a rental. It's gonna offset the mortgage. You're gonna have to continue to build equity, you're gonna pay down that loan, right? There's still tax deduction benefits on that. You can put it in an LLC, you can do a lot of different things, I'm not gonna tell you how to do that, but you know, we'll get into we can, that. Yeah, we can go into that, we can go into We'll it. bring in an expert Another episode, that. another yeah, episode. Yeah, it's a different episode. <laughs> but start building a portfolio, so that your fourth or fifth house that you own, now you've got three or four houses behind it that are all cash flowing, that are all building equity, that are all building generational wealth that you can give to your kids, that they can inherit. They can inherit that cash flow stream. They can inherit that equity. If shit hits the fan, you're like, shit, the house is paid off, you can sell it or you can take out an equity loan against it, right? Yeah. So like, let me answer real quick. Should you buy a house in 2021? Why the fuck wouldn't you be buying real estate right now? There's, I'm not saying overpay for it. There's the nugget, ladies and gentlemen. Don't overpay for it. Yeah. Don't get excited and be like, Carl said go buy real estate. Josh said go buy a bunch of real estate. You, you make stupid-ass decisions and overpay for shit. I'm not saying that. I'm saying buy real estate for a long-term investment. Don't try to get rich overnight. Have patience. Have patience. That's the name of the game, especially in 2021. That's to tell a lot of my clients. That's like the biggest word that I use nowadays, especially for buyers, is have patience. Yeah. And I'm glad that you touched, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch into my story here a little bit because you literally just gave a summary of what I've done you know, over the last like 10 years. Actually, let's start back in going back to high school. My, my father and my parents, uh, I grew up, they grew up as entrepreneurs. You know, they own Advantage Plus Credit Reporting. They've owned it for 30 years, and I was able to see them build a portfolio of rental properties and do flips. And they're the main reason I'm in real estate. Thank you, Mom and Dad. I love you, and I'm so grateful for you. But, you know, outside of that, my dad was having me read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in high school to understand the fundamentals and the mechanics and especially the terminology of what real estate really has to offer. And seeing what he was making on his rental portfolio was obviously a big number. And he did exactly what you did with me. When I was 16 years old, he sat me down at the kitchen table and he's like, Josh, what do you want to make? How many parents actually do that? And what I'm going to say is not enough. And I've done that with several people, you know, in my life, as far as even being like little mentors, how much do you make or how much do you want to make? And let's really break that down. And I said, you know, just a wild number. I was like, well, at 16, 100,000 sounds nice. And this is just how he broke it down. I was like, all right, great. You want to make 100000 You want a nice house? Yes. It's like, you want a nice car? Yes. You're going to get married? Yes. You're going to have two cars, one for her, one for you? Yes. You're going to have kids? Yes. You're going to have health insurance for everybody? Yes. You're going to have car insurance for everybody? Boom. That 100000 boom, shrunk down to something like that. You're just like shocked of how much versus how much is going out versus how much is coming in on a steady basis. And now he's like, now, son, I'm going to teach you how to invest and show you what it's like to accumulate rental properties, to earn cash flow, and to also take advantage of what the appreciation has to do with what the market is driving up. And guess what? I'm not paying down those mortgages. My tenants are. Mm -hmm. I'm cash flowing on each property, and then I'm also earning the appreciation and the equity as it incre increases year after year after year after year. So if I ever decide to sell one, great. I'm gonna have we're gonna have like a nice little little payday there. Essentially, that you can invest maybe in one or more on one more property or another property, or you can unload them and buy maybe a bigger complex, maybe like a ten or twelve or fourteen units, something of that aspect. So having those conversations and having those discussions as far as investing at an early age was a huge benefit to me. I now have I'm working on my fourth property, and I was done it strategically and know how to do it effectively. And we can help you guys and really sit down with you if this is something you want to do 
and how to buy a property and then buy another one the next year and then another one in the next year and another one the next year and buy it for minimal down payment. There's a strategy for that, guys, and we can teach you how to do that. Just reach out to us. We're happy to help you with. So as far as buying real estate in 2021, if you're looking to invest and create generational wealth, 100% absolutely. You should have done it last year. You shouldn't have done it the year before that. And you, if you haven't done it, you need to start now. Boom. Yep. So let's talk about the climate, though. What is it like to buy, though? Scary I know it's, it's, it's scary right now. So buying is definitely you need to do it. But what is it like when we're trying to go out there, we meet with the agent and actually make the offers? Yeah, don't be a little bitty, right? Yeah. You need to... You need Thick to, skin on this one, guys. Yeah, you guys, you need to stack up. You, yeah. you, you got to raise some offers, yeah. right? And so be oh, very aware that, number one, it ain't going to be the first house. Mm-hmm. Very unlikely to be the first house. But you got you nailed it the other day. We were talking about this. You got to get aggressive and you got to get creative. Aggressive is a real, and a real so big one. And so if it's a situation where you mm-hmm. have flexibility on your lease, so you got like three months left on your lease, understand what the seller actually needs. And I think we talked about this when I won the other day. It was like... A lot of times, price isn't going to be the biggest factor. Terms are actually winning a lot more than It's than, way more than because price. the seller has got to go back into that same market that you just had to fight for, right? And they got to buy a house. But nobody wants to take a contingent offer. So what if you got really creative? And I, you nailed it the other day when you told me this. It was like, you know, you got to go out there and you got to basically say, hey, look, seller, I'm going to give you another 30 days or 45 days or 60 days or whatever it takes for you to get under contract as a non-contingent buyer with cash and a mortgage in hand, so you can go out into the market and you can compete against all these other offers, against cash offers, you can close quick yes. and not be a contingent offer. Yes. That is worth more to me as a seller than an extra $5,000 my price yeah. that I'm not gonna see anyway, it's gonna go in the equity in the next house, yeah. right? So get creative, you know, and be flexible, have that flexibility, and you absolutely nailed the other day. Yeah, so <clears throat> guys, if you, if you haven't talked with a lender, you haven't even met with a real estate agent, you know, we're happy to put you in touch with one and we can speak with you personally. But just to like kind of sum up a little bit what like Carl was talking about, because, you know, I'm showing clients, you know, houses, you know, every day or every week because there's so many people that are wanting to take advantage of these interest rates. And I said it earlier, patience is one of the biggest things. And going into these houses, you know, aggressive, because I think it's I think it's for like there's 24 people or something like that, around 20 people for every one house that's on the market right now for people that are trying to make offers on it. It's insane. I just made an offer and I beat them. I beat out six other offers because of my creative terms and also because of the price. And mind you, there's no there's no offer that's going to getting accepted if there's multiple offers at asking price. Unless, yeah, Unless it's way overpriced. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And, w- and way overpriced. So, But going into that climate, guys, you have to know and be prepared that hey, we're going to give us this one our best shot, you know, and me as an agent, I always have a wonderful relationship with the other agent. That is key, guys. That is 100% key. Yeah, if your agent sucks, they're not communicating, then call Josh. Yeah, yeah. communication is one of the biggest things, especially when it comes to this, and you have to go above and beyond instead of just submitting a piece of paper that's blank. You know, there's no, there's no history behind it. There's no, there's no human element to it. Yeah, that ain't gonna work. And you know, I always take, like to do business with my heart. So there's a yeah, human for element. Sure. Yeah, for sure. You're solid, dude. Man. Yeah, absolutely. So going into that, and then also knowing and saying what the seller actually needs, you know, personally, doing a post possession agreement for them because people have to, you know, um, tap the sell, but they also have to move out. Yeah. And sometimes they need that house to close in order for them to fund the next purchase. So having that little three to five day buffer for them to fully move out and clean the place is a huge thing too. It's a huge thing. And guys, you know, I know your designated broker is going to have a shit fit about post-possession. Do a lease. I'm a designated broker. I can say this. I can actually give advice on this. Here we go. Right? Do a lease. Do an AAR lease. Put a security deposit down. Let them rent it from you. You can do it. I think on most conventional loans up to 90 days. Mm -hmm. Have that flexibility. I think the key word here is flexibility for a buyer. Yeah, Absolutely. 
<clears throat> and even going into that, guys, you know, the biggest thing, especially with this, um, you're going to have to pay, you know, either above asking price and you're not asking for closing costs. Guys, a lot, there's a lot of, when we speak with a lot of buyers, they're not familiar exactly what closing costs is. When you go and say the price is uh, 200000 and you decide to put 3% down, okay? So you have to pay for that down payment plus closing costs. Closing costs has to do with a lot with like what your lender fees, origination fees, escrow, and title. And that can range anywhere from an additional 25 to like 3% on top of your down payment. I was just talking with a client right now. He's trying to buy a $250,000 condo. So I was telling him, you have to come in with 15 grand minimum. Minimum. Yeah. If we offer over asking price, as an example, 255, that's $5,000 over asking price. And that property does not appraise. We're going to talk about appraisals. Does not appraise at 255. You most likely have to come in with that additional $5,000 if you want to get the home. So what if it didn't appraise? You have options. What are, so, you, what are the yeah, options? Yeah, you, you have options. If it does not appraise at 255, one, you can cancel and you can back out. Can I get my earnest money back? You can get your earnest money back. Right, unless, unless that seller and that agent um, say in order for you to get the deal, you have to sign an appraisal waiver. That's meaning you're literally saying, I don't matter, I want it no matter what, even if it comes in low, I'm gonna give you the additional five. Okay. You can either, like you said, come in with the cash, or if you're able to negotiate, maybe he comes in half and you come half and you guys agree upon that, then cool, you can steal it up and you continue on, you know, to closing day. But that's, that's the reality of what buyers are going through. And like I say, it's a tough, it's aggressive market. You have to be patient. You're probably going to go in over asking price, you know, and you may have to assign, assign an appraisal waiver, um, and that's going to really lock up that cash, you know, for the seller, and that's going to come out of your pocket. So be prepared to have cash on hand for your down payment, for your closing costs, and maybe a little extra if you're offering over asking price. If you don't have to assign that appraisal waiver, then... The, uh, the appraisal is going to be gospel on really what it is. And then the, the, the agents are going to have that discussion about, all right, who's paying for it? Okay, so if, if an appraisal comes in law, I have three options. Let me just recap. So I can yeah. cancel the deal, get my earnest money back, as long as they didn't sign the appraisal waiver. Correct. I can renegotiate the price Correct. and meet somewhere-ish in the middle, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Or I can just come up with a difference. Yes. So if it came, say the appraisal came in at 240000 I can make up that $15,000 difference. If you didn't sign the waiver. It, it, yeah. yeah, and the seller's like, go, go pound sand, I'll go find another buyer. You're going to make that $15,000. $15, At that point in time, it's probably if you don't have that kind of funds to make up that big a difference. Don't sign out, an appraisal waiver. Don't sign the appraisal waiver, right. or you're going to be out your earnest money. Because yep. even I, as a client, I'm going to say, hey, man, you don't have the cash. You know, that's what I, we're going to educate you on exactly. That was going to be one of the options, potentially. And if you get cold feet at the end, I totally get it, man. I totally understand because if it came in fifteen thousand dollars shy, and I only have twenty, and I have to come in with thirty-five, I don't have it. I, th I think we need to touch on appraised value versus market value. There's a big seconds. difference, and Carl, yeah. I know you love to touch on this. Let's All get right. it because it gets me kind of fired up. He gets right? it. Here you go. And so the appraised value really looks at the historical values in the immediate neighborhood for something that is very, very comparable. Meaning that if you get a three-bed, two-bath with a pool, the appraiser is only looking at three-bed, two-baths with a pool. You know, yes, the market might demand or command a higher price than the appraised value in understanding what that looks like. But guys, don't get caught up. If you're selling a house and the appraisal comes in low, don't take it personally. If you're buying a house and the appraisal comes in low, understand that the market value is different than the appraised value, right? You got it. You got to nut up and you got to you got to just write the check. Just write the check. That's that's the biggest thing, guys. You know, I'm saying patience. And in 2021, if you are going to be a buyer, the biggest word is going to be patience and just waiting for that right house. You know, whether it's five houses or 20 houses you have to see, just make sure that you remain patient. You're gonna have to make more than one offer, probably sometimes two or three on different homes, and really just wait for the one that we get 
And if it is the right one and you're comfortable with all the terms, then cool, we can proceed forward, you know, pass inspection and pass the appraisal and see it all the way through closing. So if you guys are looking for any additional information on exactly what um, you're trying to buy or maybe even get in touch with a lender, feel free to contact us at any point in time. We're always happy to help you. Follow you on social media. Man. Follow me on social page. media, Josh Zuniga underscore. You yeah. know, I'll always be there for you guys, and we're happy to take care of you either way. Um, everybody we treat, you know, as family, nobody comes into our world and to our experience as friends. Everybody's always embraced. Everybody's always loved, and we're happy to help you and your family at any point in time. But until next time, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. That was how what we think of the forecast is going to be for the buyers in 2021. And we got so much extra good stuff to coming up to even talking about credit to even get you qualified. So make sure to stay tuned. Good afternoon. <laughs> you just <laughs> good afternoon. Good after more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get it out this time. Good after more. Uh, uh, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We got plenty more bloopers for you.